0: Okay, good morning, everybody. I am here to officially announce that Thursday has been canceled. Canceled? We're going to start over again tomorrow. It's going to be a better day. Uh, All right, so, you know, one of the things that I, I was looking forward to, everybody getting here and getting seated and getting rolling, and I'll tell you why. I mentioned when I walked in this morning, I said, is it just me? Or is everybody really grumpy? And Jim, my father-in-law, said, "No, I'm not." <laughs> and he said, and, "And he said nobody who walks in and picks up their name tag here is ever grumpy. Everybody's so helpful and happy." And I went, "Perspective, <laughs> right? Perspective." So thank you for that shift, Jim, in the energy. Uh, I needed that this morning. So uh, that said, I saw a sign uh, in the elevator in, I don't remember where I was, in a hotel somewhere a while back, and the sign said, the world is short-staffed. Be kind to those who show up. (laughs) Right? Is anybody feeling that way besides me? Right? Like, yeah, Karen and I were talking this morning, like, doctor's offices are a little overwhelmed. Um, Everybody seems a little, not everybody, I shouldn't say that, I don't want to generalize, a lot of people seem really short, right? Like, they don't have a lot of time they're a little overwhelmed, they're not exactly sure how to handle life, and you know, we, about what, a few months ago, we were dealing with uh, the, 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 all the news, and it may still be that way, I've quit watching the news, said we had a shortage of workers, right? Shortage, yeah? Nobody wanted to work. Well, guess what? There are people working now, but guess what they have to be when they start? They have to do what? They have to be No, well, yes, but they have to be trained, right? So they have to be trained. So now we're dealing with a bunch of new people, and we have an expectation that they show up trained. (laughs) Has anybody been new besides me ever at a job? Yeah, are you trained that day? No? How many of you veterans in the room, raise your hand? Let's give them a round, please. (laughs) I. I I just want to remind everybody, for our veterans to have been trained, they had to go to boot camp, right? Boot camp was where these folks went for training. I would like to send some of the new workers that I've met lately to boot camp, <laughs> right? Like customer service boot camp, how to use the telephone boot camp, right? How to dress boot camp. Um, all humor aside, uh, my aunt, she posted on Facebook last night a couple of pictures of my grandfather who served uh, in Korea. And I, I, told, I said, please send me those pictures in a text if you would. And then I looked back on Facebook. She, they had actually been looking at the pictures on a uh, uh, slideshow, So they had them on the screen and she took pictures of the, s- of the pictures on the slide. Um, and he was he was a little bean pole right young guy eighteen years old seventeen maybe, and uh you know was dressed in his uh um, what do you call them, K- not khakis uh yeah maybe fatigues, thank you, yes, and I thought, oh my gosh, he was a kid, right he was just a kid, and then the next picture um uh, he was in uniform and i also i thought to myself you know a uh, really handsome man my grandfather always uh, and um and i also what i also observed is that my grandfather never lost his hair so he had a full head of hair pretty much <laughs> <laughs> yeah i love it that you guys answer your phone to tell people that you're in the middle of a meeting just so you know the next generation just sends it to voicemail, right? So they just send it to voicemail. We've had to learn that. Like we'll, somebody will call somebody and, and, uh, in our SLTS group and our Senior Living Truth Series people, you guys in the room, and you'll, you'll answer the phone and you'll say, I'm in a meeting. And it's like, okay, and then you know what our people say? Why did you answer the phone, right? Why? Now, I'm just going to want to play this out because this is such an interesting thing, and I'm going to use this as a teachable moment. Because for for the, the generation who got cell phones when they came out that had been around a while, so the more seasoned folks, it's rude to send somebody to voicemail, isn't it? Right? That seems rude to do that. The younger generation just goes, uh, nope, bye-bye. Right? Th- they have no compunction whatsoever about just sending you to voicemail. Right, but how does it feel when you get sent straight to voicemail? Impersonal, doesn't it? Right? So, it's, again, it's back to the generational differences. So, it's kind of how I feel when I call my doctor's office and I want to talk to them because I have an urgent need. And it says, press 1, press 2 or 3. Oh, and by the way, listen to all the options because they may have changed since yesterday when I called. And um, so you've got all these things. And so, you know, I just, I bring this up. It has nothing to do with our topic today, but I bring all of this up just to say, um, let's do something together. Let's, let's do something together. So let's, first of all, let's take a deep breath. Ready, inhale through the nose. Out through the mouth. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are an amazing person. Do it right now. You are an amazing person. You are an amazing person. Now turn back to that same neighbor and say, I know. <laughs> all right, good. All right, so sometimes we just got to laugh a little. We got to lift things up a little bit. I'm, I'm doing my, my darn level best to uh, stay off of drugs and alcohol and not use things that are not good for you to cope, right? We're all doing what we have to do, exercise more, eat less, So, um, what are we here to talk about today? What's the topic? Just kidding. (laughs) Okay, so today's topic. I combined the two topics for November and December, and I did this last minute for a couple of reasons. One, uh, I felt like these two topics go together, uh, more so than I did when we originally created the schedule last year. So we've got buying or building your forever home was gonna be in December, and we're gonna talk a little bit about it today. Anybody who wants more information than what we talk about today is welcome to schedule an appointment. We'll be happy to meet with you to talk more about that topic. We're gonna talk about in-home care uh, and residential healthcare, i.e. assisted living, Long-term care, and we're going to talk about it in a big-picture context, and then we're going to open it up for Q and A. And whatever questions you have, I guarantee you, if I can't answer them, I've got some pretty amazing sponsors in the room that have the ability to answer these questions. Um, Our education uh, partners—that's why they're here, you guys—is to be your resources, to be the people that you can ask questions when you aren't sure. So. These two topics. So what are we going to talk about in December in lieu of building or buying your forever home? We're going to talk about purpose after retirement and um, fulfillment after retirement, really. I've had a lot of people come up to me in various different contexts throughout our annual seminar series who have said, I'm feeling a little like I'm not sure what, I'm, what I'm, what's important to me anymore, right? Like life has changed a little bit, and I think COVID brought that to a lot of people's attention, right? Because we were all kind of just doing and going about our business, and then we got quarantined, and then we had this period of time where we really were isolated from one another. And so a lot of people began to question, why am I here Is anybody besides me having an existential crisis? Okay, just me, oh no, a few others, good. Okay, I'm glad I'm not the only one. It's an existential crisis that goes across all generations, by the way, right? People have a tendency to think midlife crisis or people after they retire, but I've even had some young people uh, in the class that I'm teaching at UCO say that, you know, they're just really not sure what they're supposed to be doing. Now, young people are supposed to feel that way, aren't they? Right? They're supposed to be a little bit uncertain and confused because they're still finding their way. But once you reach adulthood, you should have this stuff figured out, yeah? yeah. Not so much. That was a myth. Somebody told me that when I was young, and they were lying. <laughs> they were, because here I am at 50 and going yeah, I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to be doing in this stage of my life. So we're going to all talk about it together because I don't have all the answers, of course. But I do have a lot of questions, and so we're going to work on those together in December. So, but for today, let's talk about uh, assisted living, uh, health care issues, and um, buying and building your forever home. Those sound like such paradoxical ideas, right? They're two opposite ends of the spectrum, but they go hand in hand. And here's what I mean by that. Having been in real estate now for better part of thirty years, and coached people and consulted with people in all walks of life about that topic, uh, when we began to specialize about twenty years ago in working with retirees who were downsizing. People would uh, ask us to come in and visit with them, and there were several topics that were really easy to talk about, and most people wanted to talk about them, right? Like how to downsize, how to right-size, how to declutter, if I'm going to build a forever home, how am I going to do that, and so on and so forth, really easy topics. But there were some taboo topics, and what I've realized is that there are some, when we dive into, or if we have to slide into because of circumstances, a couple of topics, these seem to be, like when you bring this up, people kind of go, Oh, they change the subject, would you like a cup of coffee, because they don't want to talk about these things. They don't want to talk about assisted living or memory care. They don't want to talk about long-term care, and they don't either don't want to talk about in-home or private duty care, or if we're talking about it, it's usually in the context simply about price. Okay. But we're going to talk about it in a different context today in terms of what are some of the myths and realities and in this world we talk about truths, right? So, before we dive too deep into that, I wanted to just share with you what I think my existential crisis is about if I had to guess. Um <laughs> we started this series was this our sixth year Chris or seventh? This is our sixth year, right? We start 7 in January. Our seventh year of doing What we deemed, and I named, the Senior Living Truth Series for a reason. Not just the Senior Living Seminar Series, but the Truth Series. Implication being, we're going to tell the truth. No BS, no selling, no marketing, none of that. Well, guess what? There is a problem in our world, and in my world, my dilemma, is sometimes when I tell the truth, it causes me problems. Have you guys ever had that happen? When I tell the truth about some of the downfalls of our senior living community system, the senior living communities don't refer to me and they won't use me or they talk bad about me because they don't like what I have to say. But I'm telling the truth. I don't understand, right? It's kind of like the kid who says, why am I grounded? I told you the truth, right? Well, how does that work? So there are consequences to telling the truth. And every time I stand up here and get ready to talk about a certain topic like this, I go through this little mental dialogue that says, Nikki, tell the truth. The people in the room deserve that. And the other little voice says, be ready because you're going to lose business as a result of that. You guys clear about that? just need to know that I am very clear about that. So when I say some things to you, um, I need you to know that I'm saying some of these things at the, at my own peril, right? And, um, and I'm okay with that, right? At the end of the day, um, I've been provided for in a, in a big way, and, it, and what comes around goes around, right? So when your intentions are good and you do the right thing, where's Eddie? Is Eddie Sisson in the room? He, you know, he always reminds me this is a ministry And sometimes when you're in ministry, you say things that people don't necessarily want to hear, but they need to hear. Okay? So I'm just giving you that preface. It's a little disclosure, and you just need to know that if my voice trembles a little bit when I tell some of these truths, it's because I'm still struggling with that reality. Okay? So let's talk about the truth about aging in place. Um, Before we can dive into the two issues, we really kind of need to discuss why it's even an issue. Right? Why is where we're going to live and how we live as we as if, not as we decline, but if we were to decline. How many of you are 100% sure you're never going to decline physically? <laughs> how many of you are 100% sure that you are going to decline physically? Okay. Reality, though, are you? Because, I, no offense, but if you left here today and didn't make it home because of a car accident... Would you have declined physically between here and your car and home? Yes or no? no? Only in the context of the car accident, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, but what I'm talking about is some of you may not decline physically. Some of you may live to be 110 years old, and the decline happens quickly, and then you go back to be with your father, right? Does that make sense? But some of us may decline, but we, the, the point is we don't know. We really don't, so we kind of have to err on the side of what? What? Caution, right? Preparedness. So here are some of the truths about aging in place. Everyone wants to do it. (laughs) I've never met anybody that in their 60s and 70s said, oh, I can't wait to move to assisted living. (laughs) Right? Nobody, nobody says that. Most of us start out saying, I'm never going to move from where I am. Okay? Aging in place. That's the, the definition of aging in place. I like it where I am, I'm going to stay put. Now, there are those people who are planning for building or buying a home, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But absent that desire, most people are going to stay where they are. Um, not everyone will be able to do it. So the statistic is currently 70% of all people over the age of 65 will at some point need long-term care, meaning either a health care for assisted living memory care or nursing care, okay? Some level of ongoing care. 70%, guys, that's seven out of ten people will need that, right? Did I, if I did my math right, that's a high percentage, yeah? It's not 50-50, not 20%. 70% is a high number. Now, some are going to need it longer. Some are going to need it shorter. But the statistic is 70% will need it. Now, here's where one of the truths comes in, and that is people will tell you that you can do it. So, one of the things that the states and uh, the state insurance, if you will, like Medicaid and also Medicare, federal, will say, We want people to age in place. We're going to encourage you to do it. Why? It's cheaper. Yeah. We can't afford for people to move into nursing care because if you cannot afford to pay for it privately, it will eventually become the problem of the state or federal government, right? So they are very encouraging about people aging in place, which when that initiative came out a couple of decades ago, it was let's help everybody age in place. So it became a goal. Our goal in life is to age in place. That kind of became the mantra for people. And basically at the period of time, many of you were probably retiring or shortly before. And so it became a goal. And people are telling you you can do it. So commercials, ADT, the button, right? I've fallen in, I can't get up, lady. All you have to do is get one of these stupid things that hangs from your neck, and if you just push the button, people show up miraculously and help you, and you'll be fine. That's ridiculous. If you fall four times a day, that little button ain't going to help. So marketing has not helped us prepare for what might come. Does that make sense? Uh, This UCO class, let me tell you guys something. I questioned God when I started teaching that class. What have I done? Here are these 30 young 18-year-olds. Why am I here? General psychology is the topic. They have an assignment. They have to write two observation papers during the semester where they observe a television commercial, and then they have to write a one- or two-page report on their observations as it relates to the psychology behind it, okay? Hilarious, okay, hilarious. This one paper I get, it's from a, her observation was for a life insurance company commercial that has won awards globally. It's a Thai, uh, Thai, Taiwanese commercial, is that the right word? It's from, no, not Taiwanese, it's Thailand. So what's the, com- Thai, thank you. the The commercial is Thai. And she she wrote her paper, and I thought, wow, it's won all these awards, and I'm gonna look it up because I hadn't heard of it, so I Googled it. Well, here's the difference, so she says in her paper, with her 18-year-old wisdom, there was no target audience for this particular commercial, they had no specific call to action, and they apparently had no motivation for this commercial, they did it because it was kind. Really? Do you guys know any life insurance companies out there who just do commercials for the hell of it? <laughs> to be kind? To be kind, sure, hmm So I googled that commercial and there were scads and scads and scads of observation papers by academics, by scientists, by marketing firms, by all these different people telling, saying why they did this commercial and how it financially ben- benefits them. But this 18-year-old thought what? This is just a really cool commercial and they did it because they were kind. No, no, let's not be confused. Commercials are meant to what? Right, and whether it's selling indirectly or directly, the commercial is meant to manipulate or influence or affect human behavior, right? That's the, that's the, the definition of psychology, right? So at 18 years old, they're going into the world thinking that this life insurance company is altruistic at their core. Hmm. Okay. So we have some work to do. Now, when we reach a certain age, we realize that there, everybody has a motivation behind something, right? I mean, you guys aren't confused, right, that my business is, has been improved by offering these educational seminars. Can we all be clear about that? But I'm not up here to sell you on my business. I'm up here to educate. If over time you like us and you want to do business with us, then that's all the better, right? Everyone has a motivation behind what they do. That's human nature. So we have to question what that is and when people at a senior living community who have uh, independent living apartments and they're beautiful and they offer meals and transportation and, and, and all the bells and whistles and you say, well, what happens if I ever need healthcare? And they say, oh no, you can age in place here. Your question needs to be, how? How do I do that? if i need nurses how how do i age in place here and see what their answer is because people will tell you that you can age in place in independent living because guess what they're in marketing and once they've leased you the apartment their responsibility to you and your life ends you guys get that right and then they go work for another community somewhere else and then when you need health care and you go to the person at that community and you say, you know what, I'm struggling here, I need a little health care, and they go, oh, we don't offer health care. And you say, but the marketing person told me I could age in place here. And they go, well, you can, but you'll need to call and hire a home health care to come in. Well, how much is that gonna be? Well, we'll talk about that in a minute. Okay, so yes, can you age in place anywhere? Yeah, but at what cost and with what additional services? Does that make sense? Okay, even, I love our CCRCs because they have every level of care on campus. So they have an independent living, assisted living, memory care, long-term care, and nursing. Okay, skilled. But here's the thing, guys. Even if, if you move to one of these communities, which I, in my opinion, is the best case scenario, if you are in independent living and you develop dementia and you cannot live independently in that apartment anymore, you can't stay in that apartment. They will transition you to a different part of the campus, which is a part of your contract and your relationship with them, right? So, it's, you're still not aging in place. I would beg to differ. The terminology is you can age in place. No, you can age here on campus. Does that make sense? Okay. So the other one is uh, you know, the residential structure is only a piece of the overall puzzle. So what happens is some people will lead you to believe that if you will put in grab bars and handrails and sinks that you can roll under under a wheelchair and you can do all these things to a house that you can successfully age in place. But how does that, how does that help you with the loneliness factor? How does that help you with the I want to socialize with people factor? How does that help you with the I don't drive anymore factor? Okay, so your house, the structure you live in, is only one piece of a much larger puzzle, which allows us to stay put. Does that make sense? I'm going to quit saying, does that make sense? That's a habit that I have. I'm trying to break. All right, our our residential living arrangement requires adaptation to suit our phase of life. This is not new information to you. And we must plan for possibilities and the unexpected. So here's just a little diagram of how this looks, this whole staying put and aging in place thing as I see it in my head, how it makes sense to me. So if you're gonna stay put, you are probably going to have to do something to adapt your structure, which is either remodel it, retrofit it, and then you're gonna have to find help. And you can either do that proactively or reactively, meaning you can plan ahead, Get a, get a little bit of a head start on this, or you can wait until something happens and then do it then. So you've broken a hip, you go to the hospital, your hip's all pinned up, you come home, and now's the time you want to build a ramp, yeah? No, right? These are the things we should be doing now. If we're going to stay put, have the ramp built now right? Have the grab bars put in now. Don't wait until you're in the hospital and you're having to try to find contractors to do it. The other thing is finding help. These are the four categories of help uh, just most generally is family and friends, of course, home health, private duty, meaning uh, personal care, and hospice. And again, hospice is the biggest one that's avoided, um, but the reality of it is those four things can be researched in advance. They cost money, They take time, and you have to have the mental energy, or someone does, to be able to get that done, right? So if your adult children live out of state or out of town, and they're the people you're counting on, then time energy and money are the things that they're going to have to use, and so you are as well. So I think, you know, this again, this is back to preparedness, preparedness, preparedness. Um, this picture is uh, the front porch of a house, right, with a ramp. So it has the stairs, but then they've added that nice little flower bed out front and a ramp up to the porch. How long do you think it takes to build something like that? Those of you who have done some construction projects, How long? Two months? Anybody else? About a month? Okay, and that's if you can get the contractors, right, to do it, right? It kind of depends, right? Okay, so let's say a month to two months. So if you're in the hospital and you're coming home on Friday, is that when you should be commissioning that ramp? No, no, no. Okay, now this ramp, on the other hand, how long does it take to do that one? Probably a day, assuming you can get it. Assuming you can get it, right? That's just it. So, in my mind, I think, oh, it's only going to take a day. I can call on Friday, and by Monday, they'll have that ramp installed. Well, if it's back ordered, or you can't get it, or it's coming from Timbuktu, and the shipping containers are all out there swirling in the ocean, <laughs> right? Well, that ramp isn't going in until it gets there, okay? So, these are just things to think about, okay? So, here's a remodel project of a bathroom beautifully done. Uh, Zero incline or, you know, zero entry to the shower. It's got a a nice little seat in the shower. Um, It's got sinks where you can pull up underneath if you're using a walker or wheelchair or scooter. How long do you think it might take to remodel a bathroom like that assuming you have the space? Chris? Two months? If you already have the contractor. If you know who the contractor is, okay. So minimum two months. Um, And then Here's this one, okay? That's what most of us do. How long does it take to do that? You can get that done in a day, right? Assuming you get a contractor out there, okay? All right, which one do you prefer? That one. Right, yeah, okay. So do you have to put a little forethought into that? Yeah. Okay, so then there's this one. Uh, They sell these on TV, these... uh, Bathtubs that you can put in in place of your current bathtub that fills up with water like a hot tub, right? And you just step into it. A nurse told me one time, does anybody have one of those, by the way? No? A nurse told me one time, she said, yeah, they're great on TV. You Look at them. She said, they're a problem, however, if the person is having a medical emergency, they're choking or they're having some sort of an issue in the bathtub and it's full of water <laughs> because you can't get them out until it drains, so, how I don't know about you guys, but it takes my bathtub a while to drain. So, either, and I don't know if you can, but I assume if they open the door, the water just kind of, you know, gushes out. So, either way, you have a big problem and a safety issue. So, th- again, things to think about. So, then you have these, uh, which are nifty little deals. So, uh, it's funny, the retrofit thing, I think these are great. I've seen a lot of people with them. I think they're very helpful um, for certain people if they have mobility issues. Uh, a couple of things that I laugh about, so I did a little Google search online about residential in-home elevators because that's becoming a thing now, right? For people with two-story houses, of course. And we have a townhouse that's two story, and I thought to myself, where in the devil would I put a elevator? And there is a place that we could put it. And so uh I have some pictures I think here in a few minutes I'll show you, but in this stream on Google on a one of the home it was like a home repair like blog with a forum. And someone posed the question about home residential elevators. And I just read through, it's about a six-year-old uh, thread, but I read through a bunch of the comments and what people said. And it was hilarious because the ni- 99% of the people commenting on it was, how is it going to look in my house aesthetically? And I thought, who gives a flying flip? If you need an elevator, do you really care how it looks? But guess what, the people in the thread were people in their 50s and 60s hypothesizing about what it would be like in the future, right? They don't need it in the moment. And so my comment was very blunt, as you can probably imagine. If you need it, who really cares how it looks? To which I got the response, it matters a lot. Well, it matters a lot to people who are not there yet, right? Does that make sense? So if you're in your 40s, 50s, 60s, even 70s, and you're healthy and you're active, how many of you are going, ooh, I can't wait to get one of those? (laughs) Nobody wants one of those. They're not pretty, but they're functional, so get one. But don't wait. Get one when you don't need one so that you have one when you need it, right? Um, we have a friend that her her dad just passed away uh, this past summer, and uh, they have a two story house. And he had COPD pretty bad and emphysema towards the end. And they had him in the upstairs bedroom, and eventually they moved him to the downstairs bedroom. In their m- bedroom, they moved upstairs. Right? That worked for them. Well, in my condo, we don't have a downstairs bedroom, so we would need something like this or an elevator. Right? Anybody wanna muster a guess at the cost of putting in a residential elevator these days, retrofitted, not when you build, but when you already have a house? 25 grand. That doesn't include the elevator. Add five for the elevator. And that's if you have the space to actually do it. Now, here's the catch as I read through this thread. One little catch. The elevators, many of them are one person elevators, meant for a person about my size not meant for a wheelchair right so keep that in mind you can get an elevator but getting an elevator that actually works for somebody with mobility challenges is a different issue okay so then people go well you know what Nikki I can get home health I can get somebody to come in I can get somebody to come in and help me with things I don't have any mobility challenges I just need a little help okay let's talk about some truths about this because I love our home health people. I love our in-home care people. They are amazing, and they are trying, trying, trying so hard to help people live healthy, empowered lives in their homes or wherever they are. They're trying really hard. But, guys, it's, it's not as easy as it sounds, right? Has anybody heard we have a staffing shortage? In particular, a staffing shortage in health care, okay? With COVID, a lot of people just said, I'm out. I'd rather go work at McDonald's for the same $17 an hour hour, than in home health for $10 an hour and have to clean up people's excretions. Do you guys understand the difference? I can either go home and smell like greasy french fries, or I can go home and smell like something else. And people are making that decision every single day, To do that and I I say that bluntly because that's why we're hiring them is to do some of what I call the dirty work right that we can't for whatever period of time whether it's short or long term do it ourselves and I do have some family members some people who tell me they don't want their kids to do that they would rather have a stranger do it and then conversely they say I would rather have my kids do it does that make sense so everybody's a little different Consistency remains an ongoing dilemma. So you may have a home health care worker or an in-home private duty care worker that you really like and you can, and you need them, let's say you need them five days a week. You can get them two of those days, but on the other three days you get a rotation of three different people. Well, that's not fun either, right? So it's not like you get the same person every day. They actually have lives too, right? They have children and they have families and they have their own illnesses and so on. And so you have to know that When you think you're going to hire an in-home care person, if you're doing it through an agency, it's not going to be the same person every time. It's just not. They try, but it's not. Uh, Medicare does not cover private duty. In other words, if you need help with meals and transportation, a little light housekeeping, making your bed and kind of keeping things up, Medicare doesn't pay for that. You pay for that. Now, if you have uh, some long-term care insurance, depending on the policy, it might pick up a little bit of that, but not really. It's meant for the home health. Now, Medicare coverage for home health is limited to rehabilitation. So they send you home with home health, and once you start to improve, then they discontinue paying for home health, right? And you can keep it if you want, but you got to pay for it out of pocket so there's that issue and then the other thing is um, the cost for in-home care services continue to climb so look at the cost here so i I went on to if you have not done this those of you who uh, use apps on your on your phones this is a really great app to pull down it's called the genworth um, cost of care app and you can type into your like your if you when you download your apps depending on if you have an iphone or an android you go to your app store and just search for Genworth, G-E-N-W-O-R-T-H, Genworth, that's the insurance company out there, uh, cost of care, and there's an app for that. There's an app for everything, right? And you can download the app, and this I did on my laptop, but you get the same data on your phone if you want to do it on a mobile device or an iPad or whatever. So this is what I pulled up. So if you wanted 24-hour care for someone in their home This is what you would pay for per month. 24 hour care per month, $16,743. If you need a home health aid, now this is not a nurse, this is a certified home health aid, and this person is going to run you about 17 grand per month. Sorry? Uh, It depends on the circumstances, sure. So if they have memory care issues, let's say, and they just need help with, uh, you know, companionship, they don't really need uh, medical support necessarily, they might be able to get away with just a companion, right but uh, again and so I did that on purpose because I wanted to see what the what the 24-hour care was you can dial it back and you can put how much care you want like you can put four hours a day five days a week so 20 hours you can put however many hours you think a person might need but keep in mind you said that seems cheap to you this is an average uh, but it is an Oklahoma average now it's not Yeah, so so this is the average that I pulled off of there. And what they did was they went in and, and they've done kind of a mean, uh, national mean. And so it could be more, could be less, obviously, uh, depending on anywhere from $2 to $4 either direction. Okay, it, kind of the middle, yeah. And so so keep that in mind. Now look at the percentage of change since 2019. So you may not need it now, but fast forward five more years and then five more years. okay. There's nothing we're going to be able to do about that, Shannon. They're remodeling that kitchen in there. Yeah, I would love to be able to ask them, but there's nothing they can do about it. Yep, thank you. Okay, so the cost of care. Now, let's talk about relocation. So here's what happens is people say, okay, I could get home care. I could have, I could make it work, but it is so expensive. I might as well just go ahead and move, okay? So they go, okay, I'm going to go ahead and move. Now, I'm gonna differentiate, I want you to be really clear. I am not talking about the person who is able-bodied, perfectly independent, and capable moving. I'm talking about the person who has now aged in place to the point where they are making a decision between in-home care and assisted living because that window of opportunity for independent living has passed, okay? And this is the truth that I need you to hear from me today. We have a lot of people, their main, their idea is I'm going to age in place. I'm staying here. I'm going to make it work. I'm going to make it work. I'm going to make it work. And the family says, we're going to help you, and we're going to make it work, and we're going to make it work. And they make it work to a point, and then when that point, and everybody looks at each other and goes, we can't make it work, that, at that point, you, ha- can, you are not going to be able to walk into Spanish Cove, Concordia, Bradford Village, and say, I want to live in one of your cottages they're gonna apologize because they feel terrible, but you no longer qualify for that privilege. It is a privilege that able-bodied, independent people have. Once you have reached the point of need, you are now a candidate for assisted living, where you have healthcare services. And there's, there are communities out there, don't get me wrong, and uh, boy howdy, this does not make them happy when I say it, but they will let you move in There are several of them, and they're some of my favorite communities. Statesman, Lionwood, uh, Touchmark, uh, Town Village. I'll just name them. There's a lot of them. Hefner Village, Hefner Mansions. They will let you move in, and then as soon as they see you can't function independently, they will ask you to move or get in-home care. So, guys, again, they want you to live there. They would love to invite you in because they're going to get paid when you move in. That marketing director gets paid when you move in. You get that? And you get moved in, you go, yes, I, Nikki said I wasn't going to qualify, but they let me move in. Well, don't hold your breath because it ain't going to last long. Okay? They be, too, because really? Yeah. They lie? Okay, so the the comment is they lie, that they'll tell you you can still stay. Yes, you can, but you're going to need to be able to pay that to stay there on top of the rent you're already paying. Yes. No, they don't tell you that. Why in the world would they tell you that? <laughs> enough, I that right? <laughs> <laughs> and I, and these, by the way, the people who work at these communities are some of the people I adore. I love them to death. They are very, very good people. They are also having problems just like I am. They are having the problem of, if I tell the truth, I don't get a move in, I don't get a bonus, I can't pay my bills. You guys get that? Their their corporate bosses, by the way, if they're corporate, their corporate bosses are telling them they have to get a certain number of move ins just to keep their job. And if you're the person that walks in the door and they're short one move in or they lose their job, it's your lucky day, and I don't and, and they will tell you this is true in private. They are not going to tell you this is true up here on a panel. Do you guys get that and And they do here's the thing. These are the same people who get up every morning and give a hundred and ten percent to the people who live in those communities because they care about them. These are not liars, these are not politicians who get up in the morning and think, "How can I screw people today?" These are kind, good Christian people who mean well, but who have a dilemma between the truth and making a living. You guys get that? They are put in a bind. And so they're not doing it out of malice. In many cases, they're doing it out of self-preservation. And sometimes, have you ever, have you ever rationalized something until you believe it's true? So here's the rationalization. Well, if I let them move in, they'll get better and they won't need home care. Now, for some people, that's true. But if you have a diagnosis of Parkinson's, what's the likelihood of you getting exponentially better? It's called a degenerative disease for a reason. So again, back to my point, you cannot let them let you rationalize into thinking that if you wait long enough, you'll just move into independent living and it will all be fine. It won't. You will need assisted living at a minimum, long-term care if necessary, which is the medical nursing care, if you will, or memory care if you have uh, challenges with either wandering or you need additional support. Now, those are not bad things to need, right? If we need them, we need them. It's nobody's fault that they might need them but most of us deny the fact that we may ever need them. So then you have the option of moving in with your family. We don't need to spend a lot of time here because I can tell you right now, if I take a survey, 90% of you are gonna say what? No way, Jose, right? But if you can't afford assisted living and you refuse to move into nursing care, what is your other option? Either stay put and tough it out or move in with your family if they will have you, right? <laughs> or vice versa if you will have them. Oh, and just by the way, uh, you know, there are lots of shows out there about this, but have you guys, uh, some of you have watched The Notebook, came out several years ago. Not Notebook. Uh, yeah, no. No. The Notebook, right? No, Book Club. Book Club. Book club, book club, book club. Jane Fonda and uh, and uh, oh, it's three women, really great show. Look up those actresses for me so I can tell them who it is. So, and so one of the actresses, uh, the kids, the daughters, when her husband passed away, she's active and young and, you know, out there. And the daughters, Mom, we've got the basement ready for you. <laughs> what? Right? Like they're a hell bit that she's going to move into the, to their basement. And then instead she meets... Um, Uh, Don Johnson and she goes out and has a fling and the kids are going crazy right if you have not watched that it's that one's a good good older movie a few years back to watch um, book club but it kind of is the it's the it's the the humorous side of the reality of this if you will okay your kids think that you may want to move in with them And in reality, most of us don't, statistically. And so in the absence of another plan that you have articulated to them, what do they think? Either I need to prepare because mom and dad are moving in or holy crap, I need to prepare because mom and dad are moving in, right? One or the other. So here's the truth about assisted living. I've already shared a few of them with you, but here's a couple of extras just for fun. Today's assisted living can feel a lot like nursing homes. Assisted living when it started in the 80s was the in between nursing care and independent care. And the model, uh, which started up in Washington or Oregon, the lady who created it and piloted it and then it proliferated across the United States. It was, everybody has their own apartment with their own bathroom and bedroom and a small kitchenette and you have support staff on uh, 24 hours a day if needed. But ultimately the people who live there could live independently With that little support, right? With meals, with a little bit of of encouragement each day to get up and about. If they needed help on occasion with things like, gosh, for heaven forbid you have arthritis and you can't tie shoes or pull pants up, there's somebody there to help with that kind of stuff, right? But once you're up and running, you're good to go for the day and you do your business and you have things going on, and then when it's time to go to bed, you might need a little bit more support to get there, right? That kind of thing. Now, Assisted living is, when you go through an assisted living, some of them, not all, some assisted livings feel and look a lot and smell a lot like a nursing home. Okay? The level of care has increased, and the level of acuity of the people who live there has increased. Partly because they've aged in place there, right? They didn't go in that way, but it's kind of over time graduated to that point. And if you can pay privately you can stay I- indefinitely, really. I mean, to the tune of about anywhere from uh, four four grand or so is about the mean, but that depends on the level of services you're getting. Some communities you can move into for, say, $2,800 a month, but if you need help with medication or meals, I mean, not meals, but medication or bathing or personal care, you're going to pay on top of that. Some communities build that into their price, and so this is about what it would be. So if you can afford that, you can literally avoid nursing home care. So a lot of people will stay in assisted living. They will literally age in place in assisted living because you can do that more so than you could independent living because there's nursing available, okay? Now, there are some exceptions, obviously, to that if it's extensive, but for the most part, people don't need nursing homes anymore unless what's the one reason somebody might need a nursing home? Let's go with two reasons. First one money. They cannot afford private paying for assisted living anymore, and so they go into a nursing home because they can apply for Medicaid. Okay, so Medicaid will pay for nursing. But it will not pay for assisted living. There's only two or three communities here in the entire state that assist, that assisted living communities that will take Medicaid. Now that should change, and if you're going to lobby for something, that's what I'd lobby for, is to get Medicaid to pay for assisted living like it pays for long-term care. Now these numbers look low to me. The senior, uh, the nursing home, uh, 52 to 5,800, that looks low to me. Yeah, so I would say six minimum, eight on the higher side, right, yeah, here in the area. I think uh, that came from Genworth, but when I looked at that, I was like, yeah, that, that seems a little a little low to me, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I don't know what they're basing that on. I didn't have time to research the fine print to see what that's based on, but that could be a base price plus plus kind of thing, but they charge by the day, you guys understand. Nursing homes are a daily rate, and so that's how they bill uh, Medicaid uh, for it. Okay, so here's what happens when people proactively relocate, all right? This is where those of you who are thinking about the forever home comes in. So, okay, Nikki, you tell me not to wait. You tell me don't plan to stay in this house under all circumstances and then find out I can't. So, I'm going to either build or buy or remodel my current home so that I can stay in this particular house forever. Okay? Forever. That was a new term for me, by the way, the forever home. I had never heard anybody call it that, even in 20 years of doing this, uh, until I did my dissertation, and I had these couples that I interviewed, and they they said that they, they thought they were living in their forever home, and I'm like, your forever home? yeah, my forever home, I was never going to leave it. I was like, oh, okay, I get that. And instead, we moved to a continuing care community. That was my dissertation, was people who had moved into a senior living community. And what was interesting, I had one couple who said they were in their fourth forever home. Well, how does that work? (laughs) Well, their first forever home was he had his first forever home with his wife, and she had her first forever home with her husband, and then their spouses passed. And then they connected. They had been uh, high school sweethearts. They connected, uh, remarried each other, combined households, and had their, their forever home. So, first forever home, second forever home, third forever home, and then they decided that they couldn't really justify staying in that home anymore, so they moved to a senior living community, which was now their fourth forever home, and according to them, their final forever home, in which case, not my job that day as a researcher to tell them that that was not true, (laughs) because at some point, if they needed it, they were going to move down the hall to the assisted living Not my job that day, so I let that go, okay? But they will have five, at least, forever homes, more than likely based on their circumstances, okay? So you, when you decide to move and you're able-bodied, you have first choice to make, and this is the one that we probably consult with the most on our team, is am I going to rent or am I going to buy? And once you've made that decision, then you have, okay, if I'm going to rent, am I going to rent another house Am I going to rent an apartment or am I going to move to a senior living community? And then if you're going to purchase, it's usually one of these three categories, either an existing house, usually a downsize, or a new house that's already either being built or has been built and and is kind of not a custom home, but a a, a track home, for lack of a better word. Yeah. my words are not coming very well today. The third one is custom build. So, this is what when people think of their forever home, this is the this is the house they're thinking. <laughs> this is my forever home. <laughs> and the reason I say is because it goes on forever and ever and ever and ever. It does kind of look like a nursing home. It's actually not. It's actually a residential house. Yeah. Yeah. But this is what they think of as their forever home and um, this is more what I'm thinking. Oops, sorry, that. That's kind of more what I'm thinking, right? Little patio, uh, little patio with chairs out front, right? Small, easy to maintain, but that's not. This is what I've had people tell me is their forever home. I'm like, okay. How old do you think the person is who says that's their forever home when they built it? In their 40s, right? Or 50s. And by the way, guess what? I've had some in their 70s. They're forever home. By the way, if someone can build that and own that, they typically have means, right? They got money. They got the money. So they go, you know what, Nikki, I have money. I can, I can make it work. Great. I don't care how much money you have. If it's icy out and the nurse can't get to your house, then they can't get to your house. So now they have to what? Live with you. So, okay, you have plenty of money. You have a guest house. They're going to live with you. Oh, no, I don't want some stranger living with me. Okay, so they're going to have to drive to your house every day. Yeah, okay, so that's not your forever house. Hate to break it to you. But you need to think through this because, again, we rationalize. I'm never going to need it. If I need it, it's going to be easy to get. If it's easy to get, I can afford it. I have a friend. His wife has dementia. And he asked me about uh, senior communities and what he should look at if they're going to move there. And he said, Nikki, money is no object. I said, money is not your problem. Money is not your problem. You're not going to like any place I show you. I'm going to show you all the ones that I know that are nice, and I like them, and they're really good care. Like the people there, uh, all of our sponsors is like, okay, they're gonna, they are going to be the place you, and you're going to walk in, and you're going to go, nope. What's next? And I'm gonna go, that's it. And you're gonna say, Nikki, money's no object. And I'm gonna say, great, then you need to buy that community and remodel it the way you want to. Because that's the only way you're gonna get what you want, right? See, so what we think we can get is not always even pur- a purchasable item. Uh, there was one more picture on there I wanted to show you, the elevator picture. Okay, that's the elevators I was talking about, right? So the tube elevator on the left. It reminds me of one of those things that they have at the bank that you put your check in and it, zoop, <laughs> right? The teller machine. That's what it is. It's a vacuum powered elevator, is exactly what it is. It does not go that fast, <laughs> correct? <laughs> it does not. Yes, exactly. Okay, so now, that elevator on the left, how many of you can see yourself getting in that with a walker or wheelchair? No. And then the one on the right is probably going to be more suited, but I don't know about you guys, my house doesn't look like that. And my bank account doesn't look like that, yeah. So if you're building a house, if you're building this house, by the way, right, a two-story version of that, then you could probably put that other elevator in, yeah? And you should probably do so and that's the thing that's who they're selling elevators to mainly It's people who are building custom homes they want a two-story and they want that elevator my thing is is here in oklahoma we have plenty of land just spread out don't go up right but in some states they can't they can't do that all right so there's my my version of a forever home okay so now let's talk about some truths about forever homes and then i've got a couple of things to share and then we'll do q a and comments so even a well designed forever home will include sunk costs. Are you going to get the 25 grand back out of the elevator that you put into a house that is worth about $300,000? No. Just say it with me no. Okay, there are going to be sunk costs. Uh, Eddie isn't here today, uh, Sisson. He and his wife built their forever home over here in uh, Northwest Oklahoma City. I've had a chance to look at it. a couple years ago, and then he took me back through it because I asked him to point out some of the features they did. She, before she passed, she was uh, using a wheelchair and then an electric scooter to get around, and so they did an amazing job in this house that they built, and it's not an extravagant house by any means, um, but very well done, and the he drove his electric scooter around the house for me so he could show me, and he could get through all the doorways, and he could get in and out of the pantry, And he could get up to the cabinets in the kitchen to where she could get out of it and onto a bar stool. And then from the bar stool, she could get to her sink, to the stove, and a a few other things that needed to be in close proximity. Um, They had uh, easy, no-barrier entry doorways on the front and the back. An afterthought that they had, or I say afterthought, I don't know if it's an afterthought, but they did it after the house was built, was... You could go out the front door with no problem, but if you ever had to go out the back door in a hurry, say a fire or something like that, then she would have had problems. So they put in a sidewalk all the way around the outside, so from the patio all the way around to the back gate and to the driveway, um, and it was wide enough for a a scooter, right? So that made sense. But guess what, guys? They did this way ahead of time. Like when they first found out that she was going to need This kind of house, they worked on it. They sold the house they had, and they built this house, and they were very thoughtful about it. Now, there were some things he admittedly says he would do differently now, having been there. But they did a lot of right things. Now, he will probably not have a lot of sunk costs. That house will probably do just fine. The the sidewalks and things like that are, you know, you're going to pay more for those than you'll ever get out of them. But for the most part, it can be done. Now. It does take time, it does take planning, and it does take money. Here's the deal, you're gonna go to a builder and he's gonna tell you this is what it would cost me to build this house, and then you're gonna say plus, 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 right? Plus, plus, plus means extra, which means sunk costs in most cases. Then you've got a few people in the home building industry have accessibility experience. So if you're building a, a custom home on your lot, and the builder screws up, they're gonna have to fix that, right? But if you go into a builder who owns the lot already and he's building a home on that lot and you tell them I want you to do all these things that are accessibility features, they get it all framed up and you didn't notice it but they didn't do the doorways wide enough. They aren't fixing that, you guys. They're gonna tell you that they're gonna sell the house to somebody else and you can build somewhere else. They would just as soon not have to go back and fix that. So keep that in mind, um, the, the builders out there mean well and, and uh, some of them are really good and, and have been around a long time and others are not and it just is what it is, right? So when you're thinking about building, I know some of you have talked about this, uh, or are buying your forever home, plan for the costs. Playing for extra time. Matter of fact, one of our friends told us the other day she's having her kitchen remodeled and they told her it was going to take four to six weeks, six to eight, and she's at eight. And now their appliances aren't going to be in until February. If I'm not mistaken, that's six, eight, wow, another 10 or 12 weeks on top of what they told her. Okay, so just plan accordingly Um, Beyond a builder or general contractor, I would highly recommend that you engage the services of a real estate agent, if that's appropriate, Uh, if, if it, you know, and the reason for that is like Shannon, for instance, is on top of the builder all the time, right? To stay on track, like finding out. And if if you have somebody in your life, or you yourself are that way, like you're able to show up every day and make sure they're on track and doing what they're supposed to do, great. But if you're not, or don't have someone in your life like that, you need to make sure you hire someone like that to be your eyes and ears, to make sure stuff is moving along as it's supposed to. Uh, An accessibility consultant, somebody who has the knowledge about home accessibility that's not our forte I mean we can give you the basics of course but we're not somebody who's going to be able to go in and design a house for you that is accessible specifically for your needs you need somebody to sit down with you and do that on a very specific plan and then the last one which is really the most important one is an advocate a knowledgeable advocate because If you're already having physical challenges and your energy is being used to deal with those, do you have the mental, emotional, and physical strength to argue with the contractor? No. And what will happen is they'll tell you what the problem was and they'll apologize and they'll tell you here's how they're going to fix it and you're going to go, okay, I just don't have the energy for this, right? And what you need is the person standing next to you go, right, you don't have the energy for this, but you're going to fix that shit. And we're not leaving until you do it. That's the person you need as your wingman, right? Like, in, whoever that is, it could be a professional, or it could be a son or a daughter or a friend or a husband or wife, but you've got to have that person. In my life, it's Shannon. All right. And she's nicer than I am. She's very diplomatic. I would have said it exactly that way. She would have buttered it up and made it all sound sweet, and they'd be best friends when she left. Okay. This is the truth, right, Chris? Yes. Um, That's why I get to stand up here, and she sits over there, because then after I leave, and you guys go, I really like Nikki, but Shannon's probably my person, okay? That's how that should stand. All right, so very good. Financing options, Uh, just really quick. These are a couple of things people often don't know, so I wanted to make sure I brought them up. Uh, We used to do seminars on this. We haven't done one in quite a while. I will probably do one again uh, early next year on home equity conversion mortgages. You've heard them called reverse mortgages. They've, they've gotten away from the term reverse mortgages because it has such a negative kind of stigma around it, but it's not a bad product, you guys. It has a bad reputation, but it is not a bad product. It's a tool in the toolbox. If you need a hammer, you get a hammer, if you need a screwdriver, you get a screwdriver. If you need a certain product for lending, a reverse mortgage or heckum might be a good loan. Here's why. If you're wanting to purchase a house, let's say you're going to sell your house and it's a $200,000 house and you're going to go buy a uh, or build a $300,000 house. You can then take your equity, not use all of it, but only use part of it to buy that next house on a reverse mortgage, or HECM, and you don't have a mortgage payment. The interest accrues on the principal, but you're not obligated to pay it back in your lifetime. If you pass away or move out or sell the house, then you're obligated to repay the mortgage just like you would any mortgage, including any interest that is accrued. For some people, they're using this now as a uh, retirement wealth planning strategy because money is so cheap. They would rather keep that money, that cash, to use for other things and not invest it 100% cash into the house that they're building or buying. Now, we can talk about that if you're interested later. Some people love the idea, some people don't, but the difference between the old reverse mortgages and the new reverse mortgages is the new reverse mortgages are FHA insured. So there's some security built into that, um, and also regulation built into that to where they're not foreclosing against people like they were early on when people didn't understand what the product was. You can also refinance your current house using a reverse mortgage. So if you, let's say you own your house outright or you don't owe very much on it, you can actually use a reverse mortgage or HECM. It's the same thing. I I I use those words... Uh, interchangeably you can refinance your house take cash out of your equity to use towards a remodel or a retrofit or anything you want to, it's your money but people will do that and you can either take it all out in a lump sum or you can take it in installments and so again no no payment on the mortgage until which time you uh, evacuate the house so either leave because you've passed or leave because you've sold it or moved on so my dad used a uh, this loan when he bought his last house. Um, he retired. He basically, at 67, they said he had to retire. He was in the oil field. And so he had brought my niece and my brother into his home, and he didn't have enough bedrooms in the house they were living in. So he sold it, bought another house with three bedrooms, and basically used a reverse mortgage to purchase it because he said, "Nikki, I don't want a mortgage payment. And so he was able to then use... Uh, his his money coming in towards other things. And here's the only thing. I said, Dad, as long as you're clear, this is the downside to doing this. When that house is sold at some point, whether you sell it or you leave it to us and we sell it, it will probably have no equity. Because in Geary, Oklahoma, it's not going to appreciate like a house would here. It's going to not appreciate at the same rate and the interest is gonna accrue. So if the interest accrues at the same rate that it appreciates, there'll be zero equities. That make sense? If it appreciates a lot over and above what the interest accrues, then there could be some equity. But I said, let's just err on the side of, dad, that house is gonna have no equity. And I'm okay with that if you're okay with that. And he goes, well, if you're okay with that, I'm okay with that, so he did it. But what happens is a lot of people say, I wanna leave my house to my kids or to someone else, and I want it to have equity because that's kind of their their inheritance. And so they'll refrain from doing a reverse mortgage because they are they see that as their legacy. And my thing is, is, if you're broke or if you need to put in a ramp because you want to age in place, then you're better off using this loan to do it in many cases then you are not, depending on, again, interest rate and all that and what your total picture looks like. That's where Curtis and them come in back at Arvis. They can talk to you about, okay, let's look at this product. Does it make sense to do this? Or is money so cheap right now, you could do a regular loan and you would qualify for a regular loan and you could do this, right? They'll help you weigh the options. I'm just telling you, it's an option a lot of people don't know about. Does that look familiar to anybody? Yeah? So, when I was thinking about this, you know, and I always use the metaphor here in Oklahoma of tornadoes, like we all have a plan for tornado season, yeah? And most of us, when we think of it, and we think of tornadoes, and people around the country think of tornadoes, this is the kind of tornado they think of. Now, what's your plan when you think of that tornado? How many of you go out on the porch and look at it? (laughs) That's your plan. Oh, I'm going to go out and watch that thing. Man, that's cool, right? (laughs) Because that's that's what we do in Oklahoma. But what if the tornado looked more like that? That's the actual Moore tornado, F5 tornado, that took out half the city, right? Do you do the same thing if you see that tornado coming as when you saw that one coming? No. We have a different plan. Heaven forbid that tornado is what They're showing on the news, right? Or we hear or see or if you've been through a tornado, you are more likely to think about it being that tornado than the other tornado. Makes sense? So when you think about planning for where you will live and how you will live as you move through the phases of life, this isn't even about age. This is about if I live to be 110, I don't know. Some of you still think I'm lying, but it happens even 100, even 90, and my needs change, do I have a plan that would accommodate that set of circumstances? Or is my plan more to just stand on the porch and just watch in hopes that it doesn't get close? And so, some of you are porch people, and I'm perfectly okay with that. I, if you're a porch person and you're just gonna deal with it if it happens, then albeit that I hope you have people in your life that love you. Because if you need them and this is the tornado, they will love you through it. If you're in my family, they will hate you all the way through it. And there will be resentment for years and years and years to come. But that's okay. That's your choice. I'm not judging. I'm just saying know your circumstances and know what you need in order to withstand a possible F5. And don't assume that you're going to have one of these little stupid things that you could create in a glass with a jar that you shake and that's a tornado. And we go, oh, that's fun. That's fun. Well, guys, you know what? A lot of people are experiencing that, and that's when they ask us to come over and visit with them about their housing options. And when we tell them to get in the safe room, that isn't the answer they want to hear. They want to hear about all the other stuff. They want to hear about the beautiful view from the porch. And I can't share one with them because that's not what they're in. Does that make sense? Okay. Okay. So, let's talk about it. Um I don't know that you have questions, but you may have comments and you may have some ideas and so if you'll share them, concisely I can repeat them back for the audience at home. Uh if you have questions, ask them. And then I've got a couple of announcements before we wrap up. So, what went through your head as you heard today's conversation? Yeah. So the question is, these communities that offer independent living, do they also offer the continuum of care? Yeah. Yeah. Um, No, not all of them do. Most of them don't. So there are communities that are, what we talked about, CCRCs, which are, our sponsors are all, this year happen to be CCRCs, which do have every level of care. So when they move someone in, in independent living, they have pre-qualified them, okay? To use a real estate term, they've said you qualify both financially and physically to live here in independent living, and then they contract with you, they contract with you to say if you should need more care, we have it here for you. That's the true meaning of aging in place at a community. Does that make sense? Now, conversely, the other communities I was referring to self standing, they stand alone, independent living only, they're not licensed at all, and they have no health care at all. If they let you move in, and you cannot live independently, they can do that. But then when you say to someone, I, I really can't manage myself anymore, they look at you like, uh, I'm sorry, what can we do to help? Well, you can get me some help. Well, that's not what we're here for. We're, a, we're an apartment complex that offers transportation, food, and activities. That's what they are, Okay. They don't offer health care. They don't offer any of that other stuff. And in good conscience, when you walked in to begin with, they should have said, this is not your home. This is not the best place for you. You really should be looking at some place that has more care available to you, but they don't. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay, good. Other questions or thoughts about that? I think for the clarification, because it, that really is the story. I mean, and it's not just here in Oklahoma, by the way. This is everywhere. Okay. Yeah. Some do, some don't. Yeah. Not all do, no. Most don't, frankly. Uh, let me be clear. Most independent living communities do not have additional levels of care. A few do. Quail Ridge, for instance, has, uh, in, has independent living and assisted living, but you're paying $4,500, let's say, for an apartment there because it does offer both of those, okay? But most people come to me and go, Nikki, I don't have that budget. I only have a $2,800 budget or a $2,000 budget. You're not going to get assisted living for that, Period. So what they do is they settle for independent living, or even Grand Tapestry is a great example, 55 and older apartment complex, built for luxury, 55 and older, active adults, moving people in who were in wheelchairs, walkers, and on oxygen. Explain to me how that is okay. Well, they needed to fill it up so that they had rent so they could sell it. Now if you're a, if you're a retiree and you're 55, 60 years old and you go I'm going to live in this active adult community. I'm excited. We're going to do fu- fun stuff. And you walk in and everybody walking around looks like a nursing home. How exciting is that? So once you start moving people in that have those circumstances, it's real hard to attract the 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 younger more active audience as well. Yeah. Okay. I saw a hand over here somewhere. Maybe not. Comments, questions. Okay, Kelly, stand up for me. Introduce yourself so people can hear you. Come up here even closer. <laughs> Sorry. You knew I was going to do that. <laughs> Kelly with Concordia, folks. <laughs> I just wanted to say that some independent living do have assisted living and memory care. Right. Right, thank you for that. Yeah, okay, I'm gonna repeat what she said for the folks at home, just a case in point. Stay there just in case you need to add to it. So I'm gonna use the last part of what she said mainly is that, so if you go to a website and they have communities all over the country and you look at their website and it says, our communities offer independent living, assisted living, memory care, uh, nursing care. You make the assumption that all their communities offer that, right? But then you go visit the one here locally and they are missing one of those pieces. So they either don't have memory care, they don't have long-term care, whatever. But if you don't ask that question, they aren't going to openly give you that information. Does that make sense? So then you sign up there, you go home and you think to yourself, I just signed up for a community that has every level of care, only to find out later that they don't have it. And that's what happens a lot of times. And then people will say to me, "Nikki, I'm moving there. They have all these levels of care." I'm like, "No, they don't. No, they don't. No, they don't. Yes, they do. No, 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 no. Go ask them." And then they call me, and they go, "They don't." But their website says they do, because it's corporate, and because their their corporate website misrepresents their this one or two communities that happens to do that. Does that that sum it up? Good. Thank you. All right. Any other thoughts or questions? Yes, ma'am. Oh. Is there a way to get a list of assisted livings that have everything you need? I wish. <laughs> right? We all wish. The, the short answer is no. The longer answer is we can get you a list of assisted livings. Okay? What you need to know about Oklahoma assisted livings is there are two different levels of license for assisted living. There's Let's just call them a high level of care and a lower level of care. If they only have the license for the lower level of care, there are some things they can't do. Levels of uh, physical um, need that they cannot accommodate through their license. Kelly, what would one of those be? Y'all, Melissa, uh, diabetes care, Okay, thank you, that's what it is. Okay, so the Kelly's right. So, okay, so if, let's say to get in and out of bed or to get on and off of the commode or to be able to get from a wheelchair to a chair, that kind of thing. If you can, if one person can help you do that safely, then they, that may be, they may be licensed at a higher level. If it, or sorry, lower level. If it takes two people to do that, then then that's a different licensure. Okay? So think about that. The, the more, more help you need to do things, the higher the licensure is that they need to be able to provide that for you. And it's a staffing issue. So if they have a lower level license, they know they don't have to staff at the same level as they do at the higher levels of care. So to your question, You literally, you have to go and take the tour and talk to the people and ask them specifically, I have these needs or I anticipate having these needs over time. Do you have the ability to provide them both by licensing and by staffing, because I know I've had communities tell me that when they have an assisted living, uh, even our communities that I know you guys have, like let's say they have all the people in their assisted living right now are doing pretty well. They're pretty low level need people. They're not going to staff like they would if if one of their folks moved in and all of a sudden they have a higher level of need, they're going to staff to accommodate that, right? Because they've contracted to say that they will. Other communities might say, we don't have the staffing to accommodate your new need, so you will need to move somewhere else. You get that? Okay, so it's at their discretion whether they're going to staff for that or not because they're an independent community. They're not associated with a life care community. Um, the best way to go about it, honestly, you guys, if you're looking for, for researching your assisted living options, and you have time to do it, it's not a critical need, it doesn't need, you don't need it tomorrow, but you're planning ahead, is I always say start first. If you think that it might be an option for you, start with one of our communities here first because they're like the Cadillac, right? They have everything. And then if you talk to them and they say, we just can't do it, you don't qualify, or it's not a good fit for you, then they know the other options available based on what you've told them, that might be the best fit, and then they can help give you those names and contacts, and then you can go tour those. I can do it, but I'll be honest with you guys, it changes so often that I would not I would not be able to tell you today which assisted livings are the best ones to go talk to. Now, there are people out there who do this for a living. They're called placement providers or referral services. We have some great colleagues in that business. They get paid by the community if you move there the thing that they're going to be able to help with the most (laughs) is telling you who has availability. Because it's less about, is this the right community for me? And if it becomes a crisis, God forbid, it's who can take me, right? Who's available for me right now? I may move later, but I need it today. So that's where placement and referral services, most of their clientele comes right out of the hospital, you guys. Like they they discharge from the hospital, they know they can't stay at home, so they move to a community and these guys are able to, at a glance, say, I know these particular communities have space and they qualify for it. So uh, there's no easy way to research this. Um, You can go online to the Oklahoma State, uh, Oklahoma.gov, and look at their Department of Human Services, Department of Health, sorry, Department of Health website for licensed assisted livings, and if you are tech savvy and are willing to dive deep into that website, you can find all of their uh, state inspection reports. It's not easy to find anymore. It used to be Medicare.gov, and it's not even easy anymore. Medicare.gov has gotten harder and harder research. I don't know if they want to bury it intentionally. I try not to be that person, but It makes me wonder if we really want people to research these places, we should make it more available, right? So if you need help with that, let us know. Yes, ma'am. Yep. Yep. Oh, that's a great question. Okay, so she said, if that community at an assisted living is licensed at a certain level, does that mean that the price you're paying is for all of that? And the answer is no. So they may, let's say, I'm going to use my hands. Let's say they're licensed for this, but you don't need it yet. Some communities, when you move in, they will give you the lower price and then if you need it later, they'll add it, right? You can then work your way up to the, to the price point. Some communities, on the other hand, you move in, it doesn't matter what level of care you need, you're going to pay the top price. So you have to ask. They all pr- there is nothing uniform about this industry. Just be clear. It's like cars. There is nothing uniform about it, and there is nothing transparent about it. Sure. Yeah, it, they make you feel like the truth because it's called sales, right? It's sales. It's like the 18-year-old who thought the life insurance commercial did that out of the kindness of their heart. You guys are not 18. You know that you have to ask the questions and you have to assume that they're not telling you everything. That's why you guys come here, right? That's why you show up here every month is because you want to be informed and you want to ask the right questions. So that was a perfect question to ask. So when you walk in, you say, tell me about the pricing structure. How do I know what my price is going to be? What's the base price? What's the plus, plus, plus like a car? I can buy a base model car and it doesn't have leather seats or power windows. And if I drive the one that has all the bells and whistles, that's the one I want but I want to pay the base price. Well, it's just like everything. If you want all the bells and whistles, you're going to pay the plus, plus, plus to get them, the upgrade prices, right? Okay, if you want granite, you're going to pay for granite. Questions? Thoughts? What's the best place to contact if you're considering needing home health care, like in the future, like you want to research it? Yeah, yeah, good question. So where's the best place to go to seek out home health care? Again, not an easy answer, okay? So, and it changes. So we have all, if all the people in this room that are in the industry have our favorites, would you agree? right? We have people that we know that we refer to, and it's typically because we either trust the owner or we trust the marketer or we have had experience with it ourselves, and so that's going to be, for most of us, that's going to be our first go-to. So if you asked a friend, have you ever had home health, and they say yes, and you say, would you hire them again, and they say no, most of us are going to scratch that off our list, right? Okay, so it's the same thing. It's, it's a word-of-mouth thing. Is there one place to go to find out? No. But if you say, Nikki, we would like to investigate home health, and you told Naomi that on the phone one day, she would tell us, and we would gather our data from the group and say, who should we recommend they start with? All right, that doesn't mean that you should hire them, it just means this is where you start, and then the questions that you ask. And so it depends on your needs, what you're looking for. We have a couple, we had a couple of sponsors last year, Providence, Home Care, uh, and we we like them, Providence. Uh, And again, when you meet with their marketer, what are you getting? The sales pitch. So who do you want to talk to if you like the marketer? How about the director of nursing? Right? How about the person in charge of their nursing staff, whatever their title is? How about, how about the owner of the company? How many of you have? That's the thing. You've got to get the nerve to ask to talk to the people in charge. Now, guess what? A lot of times the people in charge don't know anything about what's going on at the day-to-day level. Isn't that true? So it may not be the owner or the person in charge. It may be the person above the person that's going to be meeting with you. So if they have a nurse, you may say, I want to talk to the nurse's supervisor or the director of nursing, and I just have questions. Now, if they're busy, keep this in mind. When they're slammed and short-staffed already, if you're just doing research, let them know that, right? Like, I don't need it tomorrow because who's going to get priority? The person who needs their services today, they're not in the business like in real estate. <laughs> we do consultations with people, Shannon, what, four or five years out, and we're happy to do it. Like, we'll meet with them. We'll talk with them. We'll, people in our downsizing club, you know, for years, that's our, we do that. But in nursing, that's not what they're used to. In nursing, they only meet with people who need them. So give them a little heads up. Look, we don't, we're just doing our homework, okay? And if they're willing to do it, that says a lot about them, by the way right? How about if next year we put on our agenda to have some more home health folks come and speak, yeah? Okay, so real quick, I got Chris is asking me to wrap up, so is this a quick statement or a comment? Home care. Home care. I Two different things, yeah. So home health care, home health care is Is like rehab it's like uh, physical therapy right things like that but home care is there's also the private duty home care which means not health care but maybe companion care personal care. care almost all of them out there offer home care of some kind very few of them offer the additional home health care. There's more home care, like Visiting Angels, for instance, right? Home care assistants, um, he- uh, senior helpers, all of those, not home health. Those are all what we call private duty care. So the other ones that are home health care care, Generally, they don't market themselves as much. Would you agree with that, you guys? They're not, they don't market themselves as much, right? Because most of theirs comes by referral, either from physicians or hospitals and doctor's offices, right? So they're harder to find than that. Mm Yeah. Yeah. our question is, so what's light light housekeeping? The answer is, it depends, and so one home care company may say light housekeeping is we vacuum, and we dust, and we clean the bathrooms once a week, and one home care company may say light housekeeping means that I tidy up when I come. That, you see what I'm saying? So you, you have to really get specific, and by the way, Uh, Here's the other difference. If you had, if I was your in-home care, if I was your person and I was on staff for them or I was a contractor for them and I showed up and you needed light housekeeping, that house would be spick and span spotless when I left because I would not leave if it was not. Another person might come in and go, oh, this house needs a lot of cleaning, but I'm only here to do light housekeeping. Oh, time for me to go. See you next week. Right? It depends on the person you get as well as what the company says they provide. Does that make sense? Even if I'm only getting paid for that little light housekeeping, I'm not leaving until it's done. They kind of yes, they do. Okay, so back to the, we, we got to stop here. She says they kind of skirt around that. No kidding, right? So, guys, here's the deal. Write stuff down. When they tell you this is what they do, ask, me, ask them, where is that in my agreement that we're signing today? You guys get it? That way when that staff person shows up and goes, oh, that's not what they hired me to do, you pull out your little handy-dandy piece of paper, you call their supervisor and say, I need a new person because this person clearly can't read. Okay. Right? Now that's the way I would do it. That's not the way Shannon would do it. But you be you, but advocate for yourself. But before you can advocate for yourself, you have to know what you signed up for, right? Yep. Chris is jumping up and down because I just went over 11.32. Okay, so if you want to talk to me after, you can. I have two more announcements real quick. Downsizers Club, we have a few openings because we had graduates this month. So we have, I think, three spots open for anybody that thinks they might be moving anywhere from a year to five years from now. And you want to plan ahead. Um, If you're not sure, talk to Karen. She's in the Downsizers Club. Um, Where are my other Downsizers Club people? I think the Claire's left earlier. Oh, hello, right in front of my face, Bern. Yeah, and then back here, Martha. Um, So if you got, and and then Ruth just joined. This will be your first month, right, Ruth? Yeah, awesome. All right, so again, this is a low-pressure, high-education opportunity to plan ahead, And then this is coming up next week, guys. This is a a seminar we're doing in conjunction with uh, ARVEST. I'm gonna be moderating. We have got two trust officers and two attorneys that are gonna be speaking to the issues of what are trusts, what is corporate trust management, how does it differ from having a will, that kind of thing. Now we've done similar panels here before, but this is gonna be a really deep dive into those topics. The ARVEST team will be there on staff, a lot of them from different departments in their wealth and uh, trust management division to answer a whole breadth of questions. Uh, the, the meeting is gonna be in their new location downtown. And if you decide you wanna come, we give you very specific instructions on how to get there. They have valet parking. So you'll pull into their parking garage. Someone will take your keys, park your car, escort you to the, uh, to the meeting space. Uh, there, and it starts at 6. Uh, doors open at five thirty. You can call our Truth Series number and talk to Naomi if you want to do it, or you can uh, let us know if you want to register by writing it down on the, uh, on the eval as well, and that's coming up next week on the 16th, which is Tuesday, right? Yep, okay, and then last but not least, uh, next month, the, the topic I mentioned, we're going to talk about purpose, life after retirement, finding renewed purpose. Okay. Did anybody learn something new today? Yeah? Good. Is anybody leaving with a little bit, like, feeling like you have a, your head wrapped around this a little bit better? Yes? Anybody who is thinking to themselves, crap, this is worse than I thought right <laughs> all right if you're ever in a pickle and you're finding yourself confused about this or you need advice that is why we do this you guys call Naomi call me call any of our sponsors and just say I came to the truth series I left there feeling a little like I have more questions I would like to ask and we are happy to to help you. Use us as your resource. Every one of the team has today, I noticed, uh, handouts at their table that are relevant to either today's topic or next month's topic because I kind of gave them a a switcheroo at the end on the topics. So feel free to stop by and pick those up and uh, grab, if you don't have their phone numbers, grab one of their business cards as well so that when you do have those questions, you can just pull it out and give them a call. Give yourselves a hand for being here all right today on your evaluation you probably saw I asked if you had any opinions about topics for next year we want to know what you want to hear about so write it on your eval turn it into Jim when you leave and I'll see you guys uh, next month happy thank